And so uh, we're going to begin this uh, study in the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book of the New Testament. A gospel or a good news about Jesus that's a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as we'll, we'll talk about that this morning. You know, Leon Morris, who's a big New Testament scholar, he said this about the Gospel of John. He said, the Gospel of John is like a pool that a little child can wade in, but an elephant can swim in. And that's kind of the way the Gospel of John is. If you have come to Christ recently or if you can think back on your memory, it probably was one of the places when you ask, hey, where should I start reading the Bible? Very often we tell people who are new to Jesus or just kind of wondering about Jesus, hey, read the Gospel of John because it's, it's you know, a child can wait in it. It's just right there. This is who Jesus is. But the more you study John, the more it's like, holy jump, and there's this layer, and there's this layer, and there's this layer, and there's this layer. Really, honestly, it's quite an intimidating thing uh, to take on the teaching on the Gospel of John. So, now, if you're new to us, let me explain to you what we generally do around here. And that is we go through the Bible, we take a book of the Bible, we go through it kind of verse by verse, passage by passage. And the first one, we just sort of lay an outline. We kind of build a bit of a framework within which all of the other teaching takes place, okay? And so this is going to be kind of like uh, Bible college, okay? So for some of you, if you never went to uh, Bible college, then this is what like uh, first class in the Gospel of John, first year of Bible college would kind of be like. If you have been to Bible college, uh, this might be a bit of a, some, uh, I don't know, maybe PTSD if you had a bad experience there, <laughs> whatever way it goes. And so that's kind of how we, how we run things with the Gospel of John. So let's kind of dig into the Gospel of John then. Let's start off by thinking about the man and the gospel. So who wrote the gospel of John? Now we understand, of course, that the Holy Spirit inspires or gives word and utterance and guidance to the people that put pen uh, to parchment. But uh, let's, it's a partnership between God and between people. That's what the, the Bible is. And so who is this guy that wrote it? Who is John? Well, it doesn't say anywhere in the Gospel of John, hey, I'm John and this is how I am. You know like when you read in the epistles, it'll sort off, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to you guys who are doing this. Gospel of John doesn't do that. And so we have to kind of do some detective work to figure out who this guy was that the Holy Spirit used to write down this record of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And we can kind of figure out he's probably this guy that the, the, the Gospel of John, you'll see this phrase, the disciple whom Jesus loved, or the beloved disciple. Now, from very, 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 very early on, uh, the church said that John was the beloved disciple. John, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee. You know when you're reading about the gospel, the other gospels, that's with James and John, the two brothers. And so that's probably... I think like 90% who it was. Now, there's some other scholars that say, well, no, one of the big runners is a guy by the name of John the Elder who lived a little bit later, you know, leading the church in Jerusalem. But by the time you go all through it, and we can talk about it if you want, and do all this critical introduction book, and it's like this thick about it, but probably, and we'll take, I'm going to take it this way, John the Apostle, son of Zebedee, brother of James. Okay, so that's, that's probably who wrote one of those disciples, because he'll talk about being at the end of the book, you'll see, he said, hey, I'm an eyewitness of this stuff, and, and you can trust me that I'm saying it, because I saw this happen. I heard Jesus say these words. I saw Jesus do these things. All right, so when did he write it, and how come he wrote it? John lived way long, 
And so the writings of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, you know, towards the end of the Bible, he's got those little books, and the Gospel of John were probably some of the last books in the Bible to be written. So he probably wrote it somewhere, you know, somewhere around 90 years after Christ was born, okay? So probably around 90 AD. And so uh, the Christianity and followers of Jesus, they've been kind of around for quite a while now. And, and, um, and they had this long time to process who Jesus is. And he had many, 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 many decades explaining to people, hey, this is who Jesus is, and this is, this is the key teaching of Jesus. And so, and so it sounds a little bit different. Not only that, but Matthew and Mark and Luke, they'd already been written. And people were already, you know, around the place kind of familiar with those Gospels. They, they'd maybe read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so John's going to, you know, going to look at Jesus from a different angle and tell some different things about them. Now, the church by now then, it had been going for like 32, 90 minus 32. So quite a while, right? And so they, they'd sort of experienced a little bit of persecution, and you, everybody, you know, he's coming on the clouds. You know, Jesus is coming soon. We just sang the song. Well, when they talked about Jesus coming soon, when they sang that song, they were thinking like tomorrow or next year or maybe next year, maybe next decade. And by now, like you're almost you know, all these years later, 60 years later, they're like, what does he mean he's coming soon? And so they were beginning to realize that, man, it, when Jesus said soon, it was like God soon, not my soon, okay? It wasn't like waiting for we're going to have lunch soon, hopefully. It's not, you know, much way later than that. And, and maybe because, you know, Jesus isn't back yet, um, we've had some persecution, maybe some of these people, their, their faith was being shaken a little bit. They're just kind of thinking, man, you know, what, what is this all about and, and how, how is this going to happen? Not only that, but, you know, most of the, you know, in the early church, of course, they're all Jews, right? I mean, it starts with the, the, the apostles, you know, they're all Jews in, in Jerusalem and so on. But by now, by this time, Gentiles or non-Jewish people had come into the church and their, their population was rising a little bit. And so uh, sometimes for quite a while, uh, they just thought of that, well, you know, the Gospel of John, the reason it sounds so different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke is because John is going to talk about some Greek philosophy, that he's going to talk to these Gentiles, and he's going to use some of these fancy words, like the, the Greeks, they were big on, on logos, the word. And so the Gospel of John begins, right? In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the logos. And for the Greek philosophers, logos was this controlling power. And so, and so uh, some people thought, well, you know, that's why he's writing that way. But you know what? More recently, the smart people, and the scholars, they think, well, you know, we're not so sure about that. Because what happened was, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Have you heard about the Dead Sea? You know the Dead Sea Scrolls? You know? Remember I told you a few weeks ago about, uh, about the Essenes? They kind of thought that the Pharisees were liberal. You, do you remember anything that I say? My, you know, I just, my heart just breaks. You know? So, so those guys, they kind of lived far away from Jerusalem, Bunchman. They had a, thing, a community called the Qumran community, lived out in the desert because, you know, the Pharisees were liberals, the Sadducees had totally given up the faith, the temple was a wreck, we're going to do our own thing out here. And they, they had writings, Old Testament writings and so on, and writings about their teaching. And they were, they were discovered really not that long ago, what was it, 1947? Somebody know? 
Did this really for something? And they found these scrolls, and here, lo and behold, here's these Jewish people writing about the word, writing about light and darkness and the heart. And so they're thinking, oh, we've maybe misread John a little bit. Yeah, he talks about, and he's thinking about some of these Gentile people, but you know what? There's a whole pot, bunch more Jewish thought in the Gospel of John than we first thought. And they said, you know, John's kind of funny because he doesn't quote the Old Testament as much as the other Gospels. But instead, once they realized, oh, these, you know, they are thinking this, then they began to uncover that maybe he won't quote them directly. But there's a whole pile of Old Testament background that if you look just under the surface of the Gospel of John, you'll see that there's a lot of Jewish stuff there. Okay, so this is, this is the Gospel of John. That's kind of who wrote it and how it's kind of put together a little bit. But why did he write it? Now, while we have to do some detective work to figure out who wrote it and all that kind of stuff, we don't have to do any detective work to figure out why the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this Gospel. Because he tells us right here in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he says this, listen. Jesus performed many of the signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, because, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they've got a bunch of them. But these things are written. Why? Why am I writing this book? What do I want to do? These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Savior, that he's the chosen one of God. These things that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So he tells us right up front, this is why I wrote the gospel. This is, by the end of the time we're done studying this, you should believe that Jesus is the son of God. And from believing that, you should gain eternal life. So when we read the gospel of John, you'll see right away that it's not kind of written as this chronological story of how Jesus went through things. I mean, really none of the Gospels are, but John in particular, it's kind of a, a different thing. So don't be expecting, well, you know, on the first year of ministry, Jesus did this, and on the second year of ministry, Jesus did that, and on the third year of ministry, Jesus did this, and then finally this way. That's not how John's done. What he's going to do, he's going to jumble things up, because his whole point is, I want you to believe in Jesus. So, for example, in the Synoptic Gospels, now, where'd he go? Oh, he's at the sound booth. Duncan and I disagree on this. He's wrong. <laughs> but in the Gospels, for example, Jesus you know, drives, does the money changing the temple, turn over the tables, all that stuff. At the end of the story, Gospel of John, he has it very much at the beginning of the story. Duncan thinks that this, he did it twice. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> okay. But John, he'll rearrange things, okay? And so there might be, might be twice or whatever, but the whole point is that, that John is saying, I'm going to tell you these things because I want you to believe who Jesus is. Now, here's the deal. Here's how he sets it up. I remember one of the things that helped me the most understand the Gospel of John is when I took Gospel of John back in Bible college, first year of Bible college, many, many, many decades ago now, Ron Fraser said to us, listen, here's how you've got to look at the Gospel of John. John sort of sets it up like a court case. And you are the jury. And John is going to come through and he's going to give you signs. And he's going to come forward with and call up different witnesses. These are big words in the Gospel of John. Signs and witnesses. And the whole point is you're the jury and what's on trial is, is Jesus the Son of God? 
And will you believe that? And do you believe that in believing that you will have eternal life? Okay, so think of it as this, as this court case. Now, you know when you're going to take a trip and uh, you're going to go to Calgary, you've never been to Calgary before, and so, okay, here's where we're going to go. We're going to end up in Calgary, and here's the route you're going to take, and you're going to go through some, you know, you're going to go through Valley View, and you're going to go through Fox Creek, and you're going to go through White Course, and you're going to pass Mirth or something. And so you can kind of have these markers along the way to, to find out, well, how are we going to get to Calgary? Well, we can do that with the Gospel of John. We can say, hey, where are we going to end up? We're going to end up with belief. And so here's the guiding thought. John, John told us the purpose. But you know, when I read the Gospel of John, studied in the last little bit, hey, hey, listen, here's a trick. If you read three chapters of John every day, you'll read through the Gospel of John once every week. I've been doing that the last bunch of months, and most days you're doing this, it's kind of neat. And one of the things that I noticed, really, I didn't notice this before, as I was meditating through it in this last point, there were three things that really stood out to me, three guiding words, and they were time, because you see that right away, Jesus, because his time was not yet, my time is not yet, he knew his time was coming, so time, believe, and glory. These are three words that really stand out a lot if you read them. And so, for me, the, the guiding map where we, how are we going to get to Calgary? Where are we going to end up is this statement right here. This is kind of how I look at it. It is time to believe in Christ's glory and have life defined by love and serving. Okay, if I'm going to try and boil the gospel of John down and say this is the, this is the destination we're going to get to, it's time to believe in Christ's glory and have life defined by love and and serving. Okay? So that's... Now let's get the third little piece of introduction thing is this question of why... How is it so different? What's so different about John? Well, it, it happens all kinds of ways. First of all, the big difference is there are fewer stories but deeper teaching. Fewer stories, deeper teaching. Okay? You read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus kind of well went through. Then he went here and 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 then he went here. And you just kind of follow along. John doesn't do that. John has way fewer stories, but he has extended dialogues, extended teaching times in each of these different stories. And so because he does that, he misses a whole bunch of stuff out. It's really quite wild. For example, in the Gospel of John, there's no virgin birth. There's no story of Mary and angels and all this kind of thing. And it's, it, there's no virgin birth. That's kind of, there's no baptism or temptation of Jesus. I mean, those are kind of big things. Jesus getting baptized, be, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Not in John, not in John. The disciples, the disciples play a big role in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They hardly appear much at all in the Gospel of John. The disciples are almost absent. There's no casting out demons in the Gospel of John. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. There are no parables. You know, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that Jesus tells all these stories? Not in John. The parables, they're not there. He doesn't teach in that way. There's no institution of the Lord's Supper. There's no Last Supper. Well, there is a Last Supper, but he doesn't talk about breaking bread and pouring wine. Instead, the Last Supper is replaced by the first part where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. 
No Last Supper. Now, John chapter 6 has got this weird teaching about eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood and all this kind of stuff. But there's no Last Supper. Instead, there's washing. There's no Jesus in the garden praying, God, take this cup from me. There's no ascension. There's no scene of Jesus being raised up into heaven right after he's given the, the, the great commission and that sort of thing. And Jesus take, goes to Jerusalem a whole bunch more times and much more ministry is in there. And there's a whack more teaching on the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John. Way more than in the Synoptic Gospels. And so there's some, there's some big differences there. Another difference with them is that John makes a big deal of numbers, especially the number seven, perfect number, of numbers and metaphors. The greatest example of this, and you probably, you probably know this, is the, the, the seven I am statements. I am, of course, is, is what in the Old Testament next is God's n- name. <laughs> That's right. I am who I am, right? And so in, in John, Jesus has these seven statements, these I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. He's got all these things. And and he has seven signs. The greatest sign, of course, as you'll see, is this resurrection of Christ. And so these signs, the seven of them in the Gospel of John. So numbers and metaphors bread of life, shepherd, all these things, they're big in the gospel. Third thing, while God does not talk about Jesus' uh, parables, instead, what he uses are misunderstandings, which are setups for deeper teaching. John uses. So think about Nicodemus. How's Nicodemus? You know, he comes along and he thinks, oh, you know, this Jesus, he's a great rabbi and I'm a rabbi and obviously God sent him and so Nicodemus comes and, and says, hey, you know, rabbi, you were teacher of Jerusalem and, and I know that you're from God and, and this is going to be great. Let's, let's, let's have a conversation. And Jesus says, hey, no one can come into the kingdom of God unless they're born again. What? Am I supposed to get back into my mother's womb? And this is a technique that John uses to get some of this deeper teaching. And so you'll see a lot of misunderstandings in the Gospel of John. All right. How does John get there? How are you doing? You doing all right? First year of Bible college, first last Gospel of John. All right. Now we're really going to go to school. Look at that baby. As you can tell, it's not a teacher's handwriting. It's my mess. But anyway, here we go. Now, I've got to tell you that 85% of what I'm going to say now, I, I, this diagram, anything, comes from Tim Mackey and the Bible Project. I'm going to have a bunch of, of uh, Rick Watts tossed in there. But this is most... So if you ever... Like I've told you this before, but... The Bible Project, bibleproject.com. I'm telling you, it is excellent, 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 excellent resource. They got these really cool cartoons, and that's what really helps my life. <laughs> but they're really good, okay? So this, this is taken from them. When it goes to John, um, this, this kind of split into, into two sections, really. They used to always talk about the Book of Signs and the Book of Glory. Okay, that's kind of how, how that is, is set up. But how is John set up? Well, you can kind of think of three pillars in the, in the 
Gospel of John, okay? Three pillars and then some stuff that happens in between. Hey, if you flip over on that, you know, there's a bit of an outline of this diagram on the back of that paper if you want to fill in something. And then as we go through, you can say, oh, we're in the Book of Signs or whatever it is, okay? All right, so here we go. So the first pillar is chapter one, okay? And in chapter one, John does some kind of cool things. He kind of lays out for us the whole book that he's going forward. And so he starts off by, by the word became flesh. Oh, if God was one of us. Who's that female that sings that song? I mean, it's not a Christian way. If God were one of us. Anyway, he starts off with that. And then he talks about how you God tabernacled with us. He spent some time with us. And, and God the Father and God the Son are one. And then he goes ahead and after he's done that, he gives, within this chapter, there are seven titles and seven claims. And if you identify those seven titles and seven claims, which we'll do over the next couple of weeks, he takes those titles and claims, and the whole rest of the book, he elaborates on these seven titles and seven claims which in the, the first chapter. Okay, So really, really, first chapter, John, very, very important. And you're not going to guess. They, they're going to be saying stuff People are going to give testimonies. They don't even realize what they're saying. And then as you go through the book, you'll come back, oh, that's what that means. Okay, so that's in this introductory first chapter. Now, in the middle of the book, the, the theological middle of the book, is the raising of Lazarus from the tomb, the resuscitation of Lazarus. Okay, We don't call it resurrection because he dies again. Right? So resurrection, resurrection body, that's Jesus in the tomb like we talked about last Sunday. But he resuscitates, he brings back to life from the dead, Lazarus. And that is when they decide, okay, that's it, we're going to kill him. Like in the Synoptic Gospels, it's the cleansing of the temple. Once Jesus messes around with the temple towards the end of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that's it. You're going to mess with the temple, you're going to die. But with John, Dave, he takes the, the cleansing of the temple at the beginning here, just so you know, Dave and I tease each other theologically lots. Just, there's no, and you should see Scott and I go at it. So anyway, no, but he's not here to pick on. So, so then they decide, okay, we are going to kill Lazarus. And then the rest of the book is the last, kind of the last week of, of Jesus' life. So that happens in, in the middle of it. It's a hinge chapter where we change from the book of signs over to the book of Glory, and they decide to kill Jesus for different ways. Then the end of the book is the epilogue, chapter 21. And at the end of the book, he's going to come at the end of chapter 20, which we read, hey, I wrote all of this stuff so that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and believing him that you might have eternal life. And so he's saying, so if you believe that down here, if you believe everything that I've said, if you believe these witnesses, if you believe these signs, then what's your mission and what does it mean to be a disciple or to be a follower of Jesus? Okay? So that's the epilogue. So you got that? Okay? So an introduction. The hinge chapter where everything changes. The story of Jesus' glory. Ending with the mission of Christ. Does that make sense to you? You cool with that? Okay. So let's take a look then at these, at these in-between times. So chapters 2 through 10 are in the book of signs. And it's signs and controversy. What Jesus normally does is he'll go and he'll do something. 
And then people will get mad or people will get confused. There'll be some kind of a controversy and Jesus will explain it or teach about it. And it's kind of like at the end of every one of them, it's like John saying, hey, this is what Jesus did and this is what he said about what he did. Believe it? Do you believe it? Okay, we'll check that into the believe column or check that into don't believe column. Let's go into the next one. Here's what Jesus did. Here's the fight that happened. Do you believe it? Or do you not believe it? Check which column it is. Okay, that's the science. So what does he do? That's split up into two sections. The first one that he does in between chapters 2 and 4 is he takes four Jewish institutions. Okay? He talks about in chapter 2 the wedding, then he talks about the temple, then he talks about what it means to be a rabbi, that's with Nicodemus, and then he meets the woman at the well of the sacred well. And what Jesus does is that these institutions that Judaism has had for all of this time, they're really all about me. They're really just signs pointing to me. Do you believe it? Believe it? Yes or no? Okay? And then what he does in the next section on signs and controversies is he takes four great Jewish feasts and he does the same thing. He says, let me reinterpret these feasts for you. Let me tell you what these feasts are really, really and truly all about. And so the first feast he takes, or the first sacred day, is the Sabbath. Because he does a bunch of healing on the Sabbath. And he says, oh, that's what the Sabbath's really all about. And then the next one he does is he takes Passover, chapter 6. You want to blow your mind, try and figure out chapter 6. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, everybody left. Are you going to leave me too? Well, we would, but we got no place to go, so I guess we're stuck with you. I, I don't know. It's kind of a wild chapter. And then he takes the, the Feast of Tabernacles, okay? That memory of wandering in the, in the wilderness. And then he takes the Feast of, the next one happens at Hanukkah. Da, da, Hanukkah, don't forget your yarmulke. Who, who's that? <laughs> That's okay? And so that, that's the, uh, ADD. Anyway, um, shoot, now I've caught what I was going to say. Hanukkah, Hanukkah. Oh, yeah, Hanukkah. That was about, that, that, fe- that Jewish feast was when the Maccabees had this big Jewish rebellion. It happened in like about 160, yeah, I got 164 BC. The Maccabees, Jacob Maccabee, they rose up against the, this nation that was ruling Israel. And they had a bunch of idols in the temple. And the Maccabees came up and incredible guys. Sometimes, you, if you, you know, if you read, go to those weird Bibles with a bunch of, they call them intertestamental literature. Have you seen those? First and second Maccabees is in there. And they conquered, they had this big rebellion and they, they cleansed the temple. They, they threw out all of the idols and they rededicated the temple. So Jesus is going to talk about how the temple is really about him. Okay, so, so that's kind of how that all works. Here's these signs, here's these fights, and here's what, actually, this is who I am and this is what these signs were really pointing to. They were pointing to me. Then we get over uh, after the raising of Lazarus, into this last bunch. Now, John takes, he kind of front-end loads all the teaching and everything, and then he just really stretches out the final weeks of Jesus being under arrest. So, starts off with kind of some, some final words. So he starts off with this great teaching of the washing of feast. That's what I told you, he took place of the Last Supper. It's really quite a thing, because the good Church of Christ boy, the Last Supper tells the whole story and defines the church. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
the Last Supper, and you know, this is my body, this is my flesh, do you remember me? It's the unity of Paul, you know, hey, this is what tells us we're all one. It's just incredible, the theological center and, and identity of the church. Uh, when you understand what the Last Supper is, is, is found there in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Paul. For John, he says, ah, let me give you a different earmark of the church. Loving, humble service. Loving, humble service. The church is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, where we gather around the table. John, where we wash each other's feet. Different, different emphasis on this whole deal. And then he's got a whole pile of teaching, chapter 14 through 17. It's just, if you've got a red letter edition, it's just pure red all through that. And then he ends up with this marvelous, amazing, high priestly prayer of Jesus, we call it, in chapter 17. It's another mind blower. The Father and I are one, and I'm in you, and you're in me, and I'm not just praying for them, but pray for them because they're in me, and I'm in them. Like, it's just, it's just this amazing chapter that, that will take us quite a bit to, just go home and read chapter 17. And just think, there's more there than meets the eye on first glance. Okay, so then that happens. Then we go into, between 18 and 20, the death and resurrection. So chapter 18 is the arrest. Then he spends quite a bit of time on the crucifixion. And then chapter 20 is the resurrection, which he spent some time looking at last time. And then at the end of chapter 20, he says, okay, seven themes, seven titles, all of these different things all point to Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead, and that's what it's all about. It's all about serving these things. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And that's kind of how he ends up. You've heard all the evidence, says John. Do you believe it? What do you think? How's the check mark? How's your columns? And so kind of we come to the end of the Gospel of John, and we end with this question. Is it time to believe in Christ's glory? And you're going to see as we go through the theme of glory in John, he has a different definition of glory. You see, one of the things that's missing in the Gospel of John that I didn't mention is the story of the transfiguration. Remember that story? He takes a few guys up to the top of the mountain, he's transfigured before them, and his glory is revealed, you know, and then there's a lion, there's all this, this big conversation. That's not in John. Because for John, the glory of Christ is a man hanging on a cross. That's his definition of glory. To die for his sake. So is it time to believe in Christ's glory in what happened at the cross? And then are we ready to have our life defined by loving and serving. Decide and live according to that decision. Let's pray. Lord, um, this is just going to be a, a, a challenge in this tremendous book. And um, we want to ask, Holy Spirit, that you, would, that you transform us through this time together that we would see Jesus in a new way. 
that we would understand glory. The suffering of Christ as glory. And this invitation to live a life of love and service, to that be to the earmark of this fellowship. So be with us as we study over the next number of months and transform as we pray through Christ. Amen.